Welcome to the Mujeron Podcast, a place for the modern Latina who is ready to get out of her own way and build the life she wants. I'm Sonia Alejandra, your host and the founder of Mujeron Movement, y juntas we'll explore the topics of self-development, entrepreneurship, community, and everything in between that empowers us on our journey to becoming the Mujeron of our dreams. Vamos a lograrlo juntas. Hola, Mujerones. Bienvenida to the Mujeron Podcast. You guys are going to love today's topic. I know that for some of us, well, maybe many of us, growing up talking about sex was like not something we would often do. And today we are going to be very open and real about those conversations with a an amazing Mujeron who is the owner of Sex in Spanglish. She's a sex coach, proud Latina, and I am so excited to welcome future doctora Ana Lopez. Ana, thank you so much for being here today with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So I'm already kind of blushing over here because <laughs> I know we're <laughs> I, I'm feeling like this is how your clients kind of feel when they have that first consultation with you talking about like, you know, those things that maybe it's not so comfortable, especially because we didn't grow up talking about it. But I want you to tell us what it is that you are helping Latinas overcome and uh, what you're up to. Yeah, so I mainly work with the Latino population. Um, of course, you know, we're willing to work with anyone and everyone. I think we all need to have these conversations about sex and sexuality. But my main focus is really the La Comunidad Latina, you know, and working with Latinas about sex and giving them permission to experience pleasure because I think it's something that's often forgotten. And so whether this be pleasure, you know, outside of the bedroom, like reading a good book or whatever it is, or, you know, also self-pleasure and in the bedroom, you know, with our partner, whatever that may look like for them. Yeah. And it's really about, you know, being open sexually, whatever that means for you. There's not like this specific definition. So whatever that looks like for you to be open and be your true sexual self and not really care about what the other expectations that we have of us, right? There's expectations culturally about like, oh, I'm a Latina. Like we, we can't do that in my household. That's something that I hear a lot, right? Like, oh, we don't, we don't do that. It's like, why? <laughs> or, you know, I, what we're expected to do as women, um, as Latina women, you know, here in, in the United States, there's a certain culture there. And so there's all these expectations on us. And it's really about, you know, setting them free of those expectations and just getting, you know, down however they want to get down without all these expectations. I love that. I love that because there's so many different sides to it. Maybe growing up Latina in a me very Mexicano household, sex is obviously something we don't really talk about. It's really something that, you know, you have to be kind of a Santa and stuff like that. And even when you start becoming a young adult and start dating and stuff, so many things come with that as well. But then there's the other side of growing up in the US and Latinas just being sensual, you know, you look up to Sofia Vergara, who is just this like sex appeal woman just walking. And there's just so many things that you're right. There's many expectations. And I'm really looking forward to kind of breaking that down during this podcast episode and really see like what it is that we're feeling as well. Because I did reach out to a few friends before uh, coming on here to ask you a few questions that a lot of our mujeres are wanting to know. But I wanted to start first with that idea idea of 
kind of growing up in a very protective and just almost judgmental family members, you know, and coming from that kind of environment, what has been like the hardest thing you have seen Latinas face when it comes to their sexuality? Yeah, so a lot of things, um, but two main things come to mind. So the first is shame, right? So there's a lot of shame in like, oh, I should be doing this, I shouldn't be doing that. And I always say that anytime there's a should in the sentence, whether you're shooting someone else or you're shooting yourself, there's usually some shame there, right? Like, oh, I should, you know, be having sex with my husband every day and you're not. So then there's shame around like, oh, you have this expectation that you've created for yourself or, you know, that you've heard, right? You were instilled with that expectation and you're not, you know, fulfilling that expectation. So there's shame there. And then a lot of what I hear is a lot of, um, like myths and misconceptions that we hold on to that we think are true. And so that's where a lot of sexual issues stem from is the just not knowing we're not we're not educated, we're essentially ignorant in the topics, right? And our parents don't talk about it. And what I've come to find out through, you know, experience of talking to a bunch of different Latinas, like around the world, and even men, our parents don't talk to us about it, because they don't know either. So mm-hmm. my clients aren't talking to their kids about it. Yes, because they're not, um, they're not comfortable having those conversations, but also because they don't know what they're talking about. So why would they tell them they're going to end up giving them misinformation? So it's better to just like, mejor se quedan callados, right? They can go, oh, the school's going to teach them, right? Or they're under that assumption. And there's a lot of misconceptions about what sex education should look like or does look like within the school systems that we put our children in. And so there's just like a lot of like, not communicating one. And also there's a lot of like misinformation out there. There's not education. We're not sure the the resources aren't readily available. Um, the accurate resources, because there is a lot of misinformation out there on Google and, you know, the web, the internet and all that. Wow. Yes. So what would you say would be like the first step we can take in maybe trying to dive a little, a little bit deeper into that sexuality and find out like what is it things that we like things you know that maybe we haven't really explored into but what would be like the number one thing that we can do to start that journey yeah i definitely encourage everybody to get familiar with themselves so for for different people this can look different ways so for some people it may involve masturbation right so getting really familiar you know in that way like a sexual way with themselves what do they like what do what do you not like right different things like that maybe you like this part being touched but it's only when it's done a certain way or things like that and getting really familiar with your body in that way but sometimes that's even too big of a step for some people They're like, I don't even look at myself. Why would I want to touch myself in that way? And so maybe, so like the step, like the pre-step, right? Would be like touching your body in a non-sexual way because we do it all the time, right? We go to the bathroom, we take a shower, like we do our hair or whatever, like that's a non-sexual way. And so really exploring your body in a non-sexual way. Like the same, I think about it the same way, like a gynecologist would like touch your genitals in a non-sexual way. They're just observing, seeing what's going on down there. And if the doctor is doing it, why can't we do the same thing? Because we are with our bodies 24 seven. So we are supposed to be the people that know the most about our bodies, but we're not even looking at our genitals. We're not touching them. Maybe for like, I don't know what, 
30 seconds when we're washing, right? Like, and so it's really about getting familiar with your body and its functions in a non-sexual way. I really encourage people to get in front of a full length mirror, fully naked and really explore like the nooks and crannies and everything that's going on in your body and really think about like what it took for you to get here. Like it is crazy when you think about it in that way. And like really looking about like what your body is because a lot of times we don't even know what our body looks like. We just know like the head up or, you know, like different certain parts, right? Maybe our hands or things like that. But we really don't take time to examine our parts and what they look like and what's normal for us. So it's really about getting familiar with yourself even before getting to the sexual portion. Yeah. And I think like even the, that exercise would be so important to also really fall in love with ourselves, right? Because I think a lot of times we look at ourselves and, oh, I wish I had this, or I I wish I had that in it. Like you just saying how maybe looking into more, hey, how did I get here? And how my body has done all of these things for me, you know, and just really appreciating yourselves. I love that. That's amazing. Then how would we incorporate our partner into this? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think the way that I see it, at least, especially if you're really like reserved and like hesitant around that, even if you're already having sex, sometimes that hesitation is still there. And so for me, it's about really getting comfortable with yourself before bringing your partner into this experience with you. But of course, if you're like ready and you're like, hey, no, I'm at this step, then go for it. Right. So I think the same thing with your partner, like really getting familiar with your partner's body. I think that a lot of times um, people have sex with people for years and they're just like, oh yeah, like I don't even really know what's going on down there, right? And it's almost like we're embarrassed or maybe our partner's embarrassed. And it's really about like recognizing that this is natural, right? There's nothing that's like, quote unquote, like wrong with it or dirty or anything like that. Like an act, like a sexual act or, you know, a thought or anything like that. It's not like deemed or labeled dirty until we give it that label. So we have the idea sometimes that like, oh, anal's not like that's dirty or that's, you know, this and that. And it's because we're giving it that label. And so it's not the act itself. It's your thoughts about it. And so it's really about thinking about like, hey, do I like getting familiar with your partner as well. So just like I want you all to get familiar with your own bodies, really get familiar with your partner's bodies and whether, you know, you're casually having sex with someone or, you know, you've been with this partner for, I don't know, 20 years or whatever it is, right? Getting really familiar with your partner's bodies and really checking yourself when you have those thoughts, especially for those of you, which is most of us, let's be real, that have like shame around sex and sexuality, um, really about like, if there's something that feels good, that doesn't mean that it's it's bad, right? As long as you're safe, it's consensual, it's not bad. It's those thoughts that other people have about those acts. And you can choose to think that, hey, if this is consensual and this feels good for me, then it's okay. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about like being with someone for a very long time, right? And, and one of the questions that I had was sex after marriage. Uh, they brought this up saying how it changes right there's that honeymoon stage where when you first start dating or you first start having sex it's just like this amazing like just you're you know all the time and and then you start getting into your routines and stuff and how can we still continue to have that connection and continue to have those amazing you know, um, sexual intercourses with our, our partners? Yeah, so I think it's a little bit of everything. So (laughs) 
But yeah, I think this is a really common question. Um, we get stuck in like the monotony of like, oh, you know, we've been having sex for 20 years. It's the same thing. Like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, whatever it is, right? <laughs> and it doesn't have to be like that. And the, the funny thing is, is that like we approach it like that. So of course it comes, it comes out like that, right? When, if you think about like how you were thinking about it when you were first having sex with your partner, like you're like, oh, let's try this. Like I've never had this position with this person or tried this position with this person. Or, you know, you're curious about their body, right? Exploring, you were both really curious about like how is this going to turn out right and really putting in like a lot of effort and whereas now you're like okay like I know what I know what turns them on I know what turns me on like let's just do this and kind of like making orgasm more the goal versus like I don't really don't like the word journey but like <laughs> the journey on the way there right like the <laughs> on the way there because you're enjoying sex up to the point of orgasm so orgasm isn't necessarily the goal and I think that a lot of times with long-term partners like that is the goal like let's just get an orgasm and get this done and over with right mm. versus like let's have this time together up until the orgasm and if the orgasm doesn't happen and we stop then that's okay um so first recognizing that and then I also think that like going back to the the mindset right like we go into it thinking like oh this is amazing like I have this new partner we're having sex all the time and then we also have when we're you know in a long-term relationship we have the idea that like oh after a certain point in time it's supposed to be boring like we almost have this story that we tell ourselves like that this is what happens right it's just normal and it, it's really common but it's not normal we just have that story that we're like holding on to that like oh we've been married for I don't know like five years right like sex is just you know not a priority anymore. And that's the key is that it's not a priority anymore. When you first met, it was a priority. That was something that you wanted to do. And that doesn't mean that once you're married, like you, you know, have to have sex as much as you did when you, when you first started dating, but it's like, you can also make it a priority if that's something that's important to the both of you at like as a, as a partnership. Yeah. And I think the beauty about being with someone, you know, in, in, in marriage, for example, or even not, you're just some with someone in a long, longer relationship. It's almost like you really get that time to really navigate and look at those things that you really enjoy. So I think that uh, sometimes we have to see like the the beauty of that too, right? Like this is your one person and this is the person that's going to know everything and you're going to just try it all out. And I think that in my experience, like when I finally like got married with my husband and like been with him for, for a longer time, you know, that other relationships, it was until then that I finally was really able to like really set myself free in a way. And I think that we also have to kind of highlight that right in our relationships and how we're able to now like kind of gozar that that we're now married. <laughs> and it's almost like there's no guilt there because I'm married. You know what I mean? But I think that I one of the things that you pointed out that I really st it stood out a lot is like making that a priority, right? What are some of the tips that you will give women and couples on making sex a priority? Yeah, so it's about coming to a mutual agreement about like, where's priority on your like, where is it on your priorities, right? So for maybe for a woman, it's like, you know, number three, and for the man, it's like number two, or like wherever it is, right? We all have different numbers, different sets of priorities. And so deciding as a couple where that is going to be, and also recognizing that the sex portion is part of your relationship. So if you're regularly doing maintenance, which I imagine you all are on your relationship or your marriage, right? 
that that is part of it. That is included. It's a package deal. And so it's not something that's like, oh, extra. It's no, that's part of the deal, right? Mm -hmm. And so really recognizing that and deciding where that falls on your list of priorities as a couple and then scheduling sex. Like if you're having trouble, like get it, you know, you're like, oh, well, we're tired at the end of the day or we're so busy, really recognizing that while it may be your number one priority as a couple for you to really focus on sex in your relationship, that maybe you're not making that a priority because if you're not having it, then those things don't match up and really recognizing the disconnect there and then scheduling sex if that's what you have to do. And that's like the biggest like um, pushback that I get is like, no, it needs to be spontaneous, you know, it needs you to be whenever we want or, you know, this and that. But the, the thing is that like, you're not having it at all. So wouldn't it make sense to schedule like sex, maybe like Thursday nights at 6 p.m., right? Or like whatever it is for a little while to get you back into that flow of like, oh, this is something that we regularly do. And it also helps you both prepare mentally to have sex. So you will have a better time because it actually takes about 20 to 30 minutes for the typical female body to fully warm up, to be fully aroused. And so it's actually beneficial for the woman to do that because in your mind, you can prepare, like if it's Wednesday night, you're like, oh, tomorrow we're having sex. And so it's in your mind, it's in the back of your mind, your body's slowly preparing you to become aroused, to have sex. And so you're going to have a better time, which is then gonna make you want to have sex more with your partner and connect more with your partner mm-hmm. because you're having this confirmation bias of like, oh, this is a great experience versus like, oh, we're just doing this in our free time, whenever that is. Yeah, I don't think I necessarily have like a schedule, but I know that there's days where I'm like, you know, like I'm kind of feeling like it. I'm gonna put on this like, you know, panty thong that I know my husband <laughs> loves and I think that's that's great right like knowing exactly what also uh if your husband or your your partner sees and it's like hey you know that's kind of like the the light bulb as well like trying a little harder some days and obviously also knowing what it is that each you each of you like I wanted to talk about a little bit the love languages and just really knowing what our partners not just when it comes to like physically but also knowing a little bit more deeply into um, what it is that makes them happy, right? And and fills them and even takes them into that, okay, we're going to have sex. (laughs) But um, what is something that maybe like we can start to really get to know ourselves a little bit more when it comes to like those type of things? Yeah, so it's so interesting that you mentioned the love languages because my partner's really into them and I'm like, eh, not so much. (laughs) It's so funny that you mentioned that. But so the way that I see it is that our feelings are created, our emotions, our feelings are created by thoughts in our head. And so we as individuals cannot make others happy. The way that others are like, oh, like this person makes me really happy. It's really because you have thoughts that are creating happiness. Mm -hmm. And so we actually create our own happiness, our own sadness. They're not necessarily people or circumstances that occur that make us all of a sudden happy or things like that. And so when it comes to like sex and pleasure, the reason that our bodies get turned on is because we're thinking thoughts like, oh, I'm really turned on right now. Or, oh, I really like that he's wearing that or he's using this cologne that I like 
or, you know, for, for the male, like, oh, like, I really like those panties, you know, things like that. And so it's, we can, I'm not saying that like, oh, don't ever do anything that you know that your partner likes, right? But I think that the most important thing to notice is that the more that we focus on ourselves and increasing our own emotions of happiness and pleasure, you know, during sex um, and, you know, just in relationships in general, our partners are more than likely going to have that kind of same thought process, right? Because if you're happy, if you're, you know, experiencing pleasure, giving yourself permission to experience pleasure, you're more than likely going to show up the way that you want your partner to show up and it's going to eventually be reciprocated. Um, so I actually teach my clients to more so focus on themselves, which is kind of like, it sounds counterproductive, <laughs> but if we're really showing up the way that we want our partners to show up, then our partner's just going to, you know, kind of like fall in. And, and if they're not, if they're not acting in a way that we like, or that we want in a relationship, then we always have the option to leave. But I really want my clients to be able to depend on themselves, regardless if their partner is acting a certain way or not. And recognizing that we have the autonomy to feel happy despite any of our circumstances. And even when you think about it, like even when you're in the act and like you guys are both really into it, it's kind of like, like you said, it reciprocates with each other. So it's definitely something that is important, right? So I wanted to ask you now, obviously, once you have children, and there's so many more things on your plate, do you have any tips on like, other than like scheduling it, that maybe has helped clients of yours to like, kind of bring that magic back into their relationship? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's about reframing like what sex needs to look like. I think that we all do this, like myself included. I'm like, oh no, like, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, I didn't take a shower or I have to have candles lit or like, (laughs) or, you know, whatever it is. And so really reframing about like one, what sex looks like, because sex doesn't necessarily have to mean penis and vagina, right? It can mean like, you know, it can mean oral, it can mean, you know, just a little fondling, it can mean, you know, a bunch of different things to different people. It's not necessarily penis and vagina. And it doesn't have to have these specific circumstances for it to occur. So um, I just talked about this, I think on a reel of mine on Instagram, and I was talking about how like some people are like, oh, well, I haven't showered and I need to lose five pounds. And like all these things. And those are really like, those are turnoffs, right? If you think that you have to have these things to be in order before you can have sex, then your body's going to be like, oh, we can't have sex. Like, it's almost like if you've ever heard of like Pavlov's dogs, right? It's like a, it's an indicator that you're not ready to have sex because these things aren't in order. When in reality, like you can have sex regardless. Like I'm pretty sure people have sex when the house is a mess, right? (laughs) So like you, you telling yourself that isn't helpful. And so it's really about like, okay, like how can we work around this, right? If you're making it a priority in your relationship, then okay, if it's a priority, how can we make this work regardless of what it looks like? So maybe it's not like an hour session anymore. Maybe it's like just a really like a quickie right before we go to bed or whatever that means. And also recognizing that sex isn't just in the moment. I really talk about how um, or teach that sex can happen over like a, a session, which I think that most people think it's like, okay, we take off our clothes, penis and vagina, we orgasm, done, right? But to me, sex can happen like throughout multiple days. 
So if I start sexting my partner in the morning, or I'm even thinking about it, right? And to me, the sex has started then. It's like preparing your body to have sex. And maybe we don't have sex until the next day. Maybe he's out of town for work or something and he comes home the next day. Well, sex for me started the day before and now we're together. And so it doesn't have to be in that same, like just a session, like, oh, this hour session, this half an hour, whatever it is, that's not just sex. To me, sex is like a continuous act that we have with our partners. And I really think that reframing that is really beneficial because then you can experience pleasure all the time without even having to have this penis and vagina that we just um, assume is just like the only thing, right? It's like the holy grail. Yeah, this is so interesting. And I think ultimately, like we really need to just focus on what works for us. What is it that we like? We, I feel like often we compare our sexual experiences to like Hollywood right and like these crazy just um acted out sessions and I think that it's important to like you said reframe those and whatever it is that makes you feel good your partner feel good that's what you guys need to focus on anything else you want to add yeah kind of going off of that note like noticing that it can pause right so like if I'm sexting my partner And then like, I personally don't have kids, but like, say I have like one of my nieces and nephews that are like, hey, can I come over? Like, okay, then it's paused, right? And then I can go back to that. And that like, you're able to do that. That's an option, right? And I think a lot of times it's about giving permission (laughs) to yourself to do that and recognizing that like, hey, maybe I decide to wear lingerie around the house while I'm cleaning. Like for some people that might be weird. I don't know, (laughs) it gets you off. But like (laughs) noticing that like, hey, I can do this. And then when I go have to be like mom or be Thea or, you know, do whatever, right? Maybe even daughter, take mom to the doctor or something, right? Like we can pause it and then go back and that that's okay. And that, yeah, just that sex doesn't have to be what Hollywood says um, or porn for that matter. I love <laughs> it can be whatever you want it to be. Thank you so much, Anna, for sharing. Uh, ladies, I will for sure put all your stuff on the show notes so that you guys can follow her, check her out, reach out if you guys need help or if you just have questions and want to dig in a little bit more about all of the things that we talked about today. Please let us know if this resonated with you guys. Uh, Anna, thank you again so much for joining us and for everything that you're doing. It was a pleasure having you here at the Mujeron Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. All right, ladies, there you have it. We will catch up with you guys again next week. Mujeron, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Mujeron Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, share, leave a review so you can help us get to so many more Mujerones. Don't forget, you can also watch our show on our YouTube channel where you can let us know in the comments if you like this episode or what other topics you would like us to talk about in the future. Keep shining, keep working towards becoming the Mujeron of your dreams.